Yes, Lord, we agree with this chorus. We agree with this prayer. We say we love you, Lord. And we ask you to renew our love for you. Renew our passion for Jesus. Renew by the fire of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the one who washes us and renews us and regenerates us and brings us into the fullness of God. We do not want to be lukewarm by any means in any area in our lives. Lord, we ask you for a renewal of love for Jesus, a renewal of love for God. Oh, put the first things first in our heart, Lord. Oh, let the first commandment be in first place in our hearts. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you guys. Wow, precious. Thank you, Kelly, and Tina, and Jim, who have, Jim and Kelly have led worship in this church for 20, 22 years. They started leading worship when they were 11 years old. That's amazing. <laughs> Just funny. <laughs> 22 years. Wow. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Faithful. That is endurance and that is faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Well, I just have something on my heart tonight. We're not going to spend a lot of time here. I'd love for us to have more time tonight just to break up into groups and pray for one another and and minister to one another. Um, But something came up today in our leadership meeting, and we just felt like it'd be good to, to talk about and to focus on just for a minute. Um, I was, I woke up yesterday, and I had just, well, so on Monday night, we have a, we have a school of worship that we graduated 20 students, okay? And so it's a 12-week program, and it's, you know, a school, and so it's it's work and it's time and it's effort, and and it's not the only work and time and effort that we're putting into ministry. There's other things, you know, that that I'm doing as well. And so I woke up Tuesday morning with just this, ah, you know, <laughs> how many of you guys know that? Like you finish something and and you cross the finish line, and it, and and I just had this like ah. Oh, I need to rest. <laughs> I need to rest today. And um, and I went, you know, did the did my day, and and it was about four o'clock. And my family was in the springs, and I was getting home from from work, and I just felt that voice of the Holy Spirit in my own life say. Be careful how you rest. And um, and it wasn't, I didn't feel rebuked. I felt actually encouraged and exhorted to, to like run into the Lord right now. Like you have a little bit of time, no one's around, just sit down and, and get before me and refresh yourself in me. And, and my daughter was in, was, uh, Zion was with me and, and we just got to spend some good father-daughter time talking about the Lord and and praying with each other and, and doing some things like that, but, um, but something that I also felt was the season that we're entering into in Colorado, the season that we're entering, we're entering into in um, in Castle Rock, and I mean like the literal season, like school is getting out, summer is upon us, and. 
And I think it's real easy for us to just kind of agree with a spirit of leisure, a spirit of um, I'll re-engage in September. And, and I've never experienced this until I moved to Colorado, meaning it was in Kansas City. I grew up, I, I, from 18 to 31, was in ministry in Kansas City. Um, but when I moved to Colorado, there there's just so much to do in the summer months, meaning like the mountains are calling and camping is calling. And, and, and I was a part of a, a ministry, and I remember, uh, and I'm not, this isn't bad on the ministry, but we were, I got here and we, we were talking about like canceling services for three months. And I just felt like this check, this is about six years ago, I felt like this check going, no. Like, we can't do that. Though my flesh wants to do that, I want to cancel services for three months. Not this service, but you know what I mean. Like, you want to have the break. You go, oh, there's some, there's some part of you that's like, oh, that, that would be good. Um, and then just every time I've, for six years that I've lived in Colorado, I felt like I've had to wage war in this May-June time uh, against a spirit of leisure. And that's not a biblical term. Um, Tracy has some better verses for it. But um, but do you guys know what I'm talking about? Do you guys feel that pull? My kids are getting out of school, you know. <laughs> I don't think it's bad. I'm like, in the sense of like, oh, I'm going to get a little bit more sleep in the morning. I don't have to wake up, you know, get everyone to school. I can wake up a little later. And that's not bad. That's That's great. But th- this is the sense that I got. I felt like there were going to be some church communities that, that embraced a spirit of leisure, and, and they were actually going to take some steps backwards over the summer months. And in the spring, or in the fall, they were going to re-engage, but it was going to be harder to re-engage, and it was going to take them more time. And when I, th- when I say te- take steps back, that that's an individual. Those are individual decisions, but it's just that no, let's. We don't have to press in. We don't have to do what we did. Let's take a two week vacation. Let's and that's not all bad. But what would be bad is let's not think about God for two weeks. Let's not think about ministry for two weeks. Let's not think about ministry for two months. Let's not engage our hearts in the Word. And, and just kind of take that, I'll, I'll pick that up at another time. So anyway, those are the things that I was feeling. I don't say that to condemn anyone. I say that to like bring you guys into like my fight. I feel like I fight this in these summer months. And I have to, I have to stir myself and stir my spirit to say, no, I want to press into the fullness of God even in this time of the year. Amen? So... The verse that was on my heart in thinking about this, the two verses that came to me, I'm, I'm going to spin real short in 1 Peter chapter 5. But 1 Peter chapter 5 says this. If I can find the book of 1 Peter, it's after Hebrews. Verse 6, 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. This is what I was feeling yesterday, verse 8. Be sober-minded and watchful. And I was praying this over myself today. I was praying this over us. Lord, help us in this season to be sober Minded, help us to have right thinking in the kingdom of God, and help us to remain watchful in these summer months. It says this because your adversary, the devil, he actually prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. <laughs> Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And then the the other verse was Ephesians chapter 5. 
and we'll, we're just going to spend a little bit of time here. We've talked about this regularly over the past few years. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. This will be very familiar to, to all of us in the room, probably. Paul says this, Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. So earlier in chapter 5, he said, You actually once were darkness, but now you have been pulled out of darkness. You've been pulled out of the kingdom of darkness. And he says, and you are light in the Lord. I actually, the ESV actually says that you are light in the Lord. So we once were darkness, and now we are light in God, in the kingdom of God. That, that's beautiful to me. Like, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. And then Paul's like, and if you're in Christ, you are that same light in the Lord. And he says, so if you are that light, walk as children of light. This is verse 8. Verse 10, he says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So I found myself this morning asking God for a fresh grace, feeling the temptation to check out. Feeling the, 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 the pulling of the culture, the pulling of a spirit of leisure. And I feel like the Lord say, well, I, I didn't feel like the Lord said, I was just asking God, I want to discern what would please you in June? What would please you in July? What would please you in August with my family? Rachel and I, we have some time that we're going to get on Thursday just to talk about our summer plans. I was so grateful that the Lord brought this on my heart. And I said, Rachel, let's just, let's spend two hours asking God, what, what would he want for our family this summer? What would he, what is, what is he saying over the Myers? How can we engage with his will for three months? Verse, so Paul is saying that beforehand. And then in verse 15, he says, so because of this, look carefully then how you walk not as unwise but as wise uh, Steve Gilbertson was telling me something about this word in the Greek carefully and it, this is where we get our word acrobatics it's, it's the root word of our word acrobatics and Steve we were talking about it he was like think of a, think of a tightrope walker and he has a tightrope between two buildings think of how carefully he would walk on that tightrope. That kind of puts that in a little bit more perspective, right? Look carefully how you're walking. Not as unwise, but as wise. There's a verse in Proverbs 15, 21. It says this, Foolishness is a joy to him who lacks understanding. And we, we, we see that, like, Oh, that's foolish, but that's, foolishness is a joy to him who doesn't have understanding in God. But then he says, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. Proverbs fifteen twenty one. I loved that. I was praying that over us this afternoon. Lord, let us be men and women of understanding who continue to walk straight ahead, even kind of against or, or in, in the opposite direction of the culture that we're living in. Paul goes on, he says, verse 16, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. I was praying that, Lord, I want to make the best use of my time. I love the NIV here. It says, make the most of every opportunity. So when, so this is something that I was so blessed by. Just a little testimony of this. I went to buy a car. My son graduated uh, high school last Friday, and, uh, and we had a party for him on Sunday. And, and we were going to help him get into a car with some money, and he was going to pay us back. And so we were looking for cars on Saturday, and we found one. And, uh, and he made a great decision. He didn't go with, like, the sporty car. He went with the car that was going to last a lot more miles, you know, but praise God, you know, sometimes wisdom seeps in, but 
but we were buying a car from a man, and he was uh, from a young man, and he was finished with DU University, and he was moving back to Saudi Arabia. He was Saudi Arabian. He was moving back to Saudi Arabia as an engineer. And and I was with my father. And so me and Isaiah, my father, three generations, you know, we're buying a car, lots of male testosterone going on, you know, and my dad's, anyway, he's, he's so fun. What's that? Love my dad. Yeah. My dad is a great, a great man. So my dad, we're, we're going back and we're purchasing the car and, and my dad's like, Iman, can we just pray for you and bless you on your transition? You know? And I was about to, to say that, and my dad jumped in and just went there before me. And so we prayed for Ayman and blessed him on his transition. But my dad gave this, like, thought, like this, Ayman's 23, 24 years old. My dad's in his 70s. And there was this, this, this like, father to son, this older generation to younger generation. And you could tell that Ayman was really respecting what my father was saying. I was thinking of that t- today. My father made the most of that opportunity in, in purchasing that car and just going, hey, we've been interacting with you all day. Can we bless you? Can we pray for you in the name of Jesus? And he was very receptive. My dad spoke some words over him. It's little things like that. Making the best use of our time, making most of every opportunity. That was an opportunity that my dad made the most of. I was just so proud of him. It says this, because the days are evil. That pulled me over to chapter 6, verse 13, Ephesians 6, 13. Paul's talking about this evil day, and it's almost like he, he reflects on it again in verse 13. He says, therefore, because there are cosmic powers, because there are spirits, there's a present darkness because there are spiritual forces. He says, therefore, in verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. So Paul describes this like, guys, you're not wrestling with flesh and blood. You are wrestling with powers and principalities. He says, therefore, because you're in this fight, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now, sometimes we think that in the evil day is future, but Paul is talking about it as present. And if he had to withstand in an evil day, we have to withstand in an evil day as well. And sometimes I think we can think of that evil as like, you know, gross sexual perversion or murder or... Guys, there's a deceptiveness of this evil. It's the just let your guard down for a minute. Just watch that thing that you probably shouldn't watch. Just, just coast. Go on vacation, but oh, don't, don't make time for the Lord, you know? Those are just subtle ways that the enemy starts to get a foothold. And we might recognize the foothold and, and pull out, but what time have we lost? What opportunity have we wasted? As I get older, I go, I don't want to waste any more opportunities. (laughs) Anyway, Paul says, put on the whole armor of God that you would be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, stand firm. (laughs) It's just like stand, 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 evil day. And I think, when I think of the armor of God, I don't think of like putting it on every day physically. And of course, you know, I, I think of Keeping these things present in my life all the time. Truth, righteousness, a readiness to share the gospel. Man, that right there will keep you walking on the straight and narrow. When you walk into some place and you're ready to share the gospel, that keeps you kind of in sober-mindedness, right? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Thinking about salvation, thinking about what God has purchased for us, for what is coming. So anyway, so we are called to make the best use of our time. The days are evil. There's a verse that rose up in my heart when uh, Trace and I were talking about this. It's Galatians 1, 4. And it says this about this evil day. 
Galatians 1.4. Actually, we'll start in verse 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, and here's the phrase, to deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. So the Father looked at us, and it was his will to send his Son so that we would have power to be delivered from a present evil age. Though we still have to walk in a present evil age. We have power that it, it does, it, there's a greater power within us where it doesn't have to overpower us. It doesn't have to overwhelm us. We don't have to give into it like we had to before we were in Christ. I mean, Ephesians 2 is very specific. Before we had been made alive in Christ, we were dead to God. And because we were dead to the influences of the Holy Spirit and to God, we were puppets of the spirit of the age. That's basically what it says. And we were puppets to the desires of our flesh. We had no power for resistance. <laughs> and God saw us in that state, and according to Galatians 1, 4, he sent his son to deliver us from our sins and to deliver us from the power of this evil age. Isn't that beautiful? That gives me courage to go, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand and I'm going to press in to the full will of God. So just back to Ephesians 5 for just one more verse. Verse 17. So since we're looking carefully... And I love that, Steve, like an acrobat would walk on a tight wire. A tight wire? Is that right? Tight rope. Tight rope. Because we're looking carefully, because we're being wise, because we're making the best use of our time. He says, therefore, verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He's pulling us back to what he said earlier. Try to discern what is pleasing to God. One of my favorite prayers is, Lord, how can I put a smile on your face today? How can I put a smile on your face this afternoon? What pleases you? I was praying that this afternoon, just over this next three months. How can I put a smile on your face this summer? So we understand what the will of the Lord is. This will of God, some of my favorite verses for it, of course, we have the famous one in Romans 12, verse 2. As we are, by the mercies of God, presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, this is our reasonable or spiritual act of worship. Paul says, in that place of sacrificing, in that place of worshiping, in that place, and this is only given to you by God's mercy. You did nothing to deserve this. Amen? We did nothing to deserve being in this relationship with the Lord and living our lives as a living sacrifice. But he says, in that place, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. So that tells me it's not automatic. By the mercies of God, we have been ushered in to this privileged position of living our lives for him and through him and in him. But there is a resistance that we have to do. Do not be conformed to this world. And so I was just asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, again, regular prayer, where am I conforming? Where is the spirit of the age getting a, a foothold in my life and in my family? Do not be conformed to the spirit of the world. And it is subtle. Your heart just attaches to things. And for a lot of us in the church, there are things that you can defend as not bad. I, I tell the story of when I first moved to Colorado, my heart attached to running a marathon. <laughs> and it was just one of these things. It was like, I want to run a marathon. Didn't even ask the Lord, should I run a marathon? Should I give my time to running a marathon? And as I'm training, I'm on these like 18-mile runs, and it's hours and hours later. Now, I was 
on my run listening to podcasts and sermons and things that, but still, I was giving my time to running a marathon. I remember getting hurt. I was, I was, uh, I was six, I was on mile 16 and I tore my calf and I, so I had to get back two miles limping. And I remember recovering and I was just having a time with the Lord. I was in a prayer room in, Ken, in, uh, in Colorado Springs. And the Lord just drew near to me. And he would just talk to me about the marathon season. And he was like, did you talk to that? Did you talk to me about that? And as soon as he said that, I knew that I didn't. And I was like, oh, oh, we're having that conversation. Okay, all right. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I probably shouldn't have given all my time to doing that, you know. But... Anyway, I think for each of us, we just need to ask the Lord, Lord, am I supposed to be doing this? What's the will of God? Is this your perfect? Is this your best will for me? Is this what is pleasing you in this season? Because for some person, he's going to say, don't run the marathon. And for another person, he's like, yeah, you're free to run the marathon. And we can't get religious about it. We just got to talk to the Lord and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you, that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. And I love that it says by testing. Like, we got to do a little work. Like, is this, the will? ah, that doesn't, that, yeah. ah, this is the will of God. We found ourselves in a leadership meeting this morning, and, and some things were coming up. Like, some, some good things we could put our energies to this summer. And we just had to step back and go, you know what? We've got to test this for a minute. We've got to go, is this, is this what God is saying for us to do? You know, these are good ideas. We're talking about them. And, and we have a sense of, like, leading from the Lord. But let's just pull back and let's test this for a week. And then let's come back next week and go, do we have a piece about this? Test it. Don't jump right in. And I love what he says, discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And some versions say pleasing. What is good to the Lord? What is pleasing to the Lord? First Thessalonians 4.3 is one of my other favorite passages on the will of God because I just feel like it's so simple. Sometimes we go, man, that will of God. Sometimes it can be preached and be communicated like it's very hard to find. Okay, guys, where's First Thessalonians? <laughs> it's before Hebrews. There you go. It will be found. There it is. Paul says this, we'll start in verse 1, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. So here's this walking again, walk carefully, here's this pleasing God. Just as you are doing, that you do so all the more. I love that. So, Walk and please God. You're doing it, but do it all the more. There's more for you to grow in. There's more for you to reach for. And he says this, for this is the will of God. And then two words, your sanctification. So when you go, man, what is God's will for my life? Big capital W, God's will for all of us is that we grow in the image and nature and character of Jesus Christ, that we are conformed to Jesus. I can do that in Castle Rock. I can do that in Kansas City. I can do that in Brazil. I can do that in China. Wherever the Lord puts you, man, what's your will for me today? Oh, I want you to look and act and think by the power of the Holy Spirit like my son. Amen. That's what I sign up for. We wake up and we sign up for the will of God, our sanctification. Now, in that pursuit, the Holy Spirit will speak to us about specific things we're supposed to set our hands to, specific ways 
We are supposed to please him through the, the giftings of the Holy Spirit that he's given us, through, through our influence, through I'm a musician, I'm supposed to please him. There's been times where he's like, as a musician, write worship songs, record albums, and do this. And I knew that was the will of God for that season. But we find those specific assignments as we go, Holy Spirit, conform me into the image of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I want to look like him. I want to think like him. I want to talk like him. I want to minister like him. Do that in my life. Amen? Amen. So, I asked Tracy what he was feeling for today, and before I said any of this, he sent me a text that was very similar. So I'm going to have him come up and share, and then, and then we'll be breaking up into groups around 8, 15. Is that good? Yeah, yeah. 10, 15? Can you can do anything. I can do anything in 15 minutes. <laughs> you just got to stop at some point. <laughs> Sometimes that's tough, right? Uh, yeah, that... Um, I mean, I love where Marcus kind of, kind of, his heart landed. I wasn't in the meeting, obviously, this morning with, uh, with them, but I was in the building. I was in my office. Um, but um, I was texting uh, Marcus, though, nonetheless, and uh, I want to read that text because I, I, he was asking, I said, hey, what's on your heart for tonight? What's on your heart? We want to be loved by the Lord. Let's, you know. And then we were going to get together this afternoon, which we did. I said, one thing's for sure. This is what I say, because I said, I don't know right now. Um, I said, I'm on a call. I was on back-to-back calls, like, for three or four hours. I said, um, then I'm, uh, I'm going to try to digest, right? So one, one thing is for sure, I said, though, we should be listening very intently right now, listening very intently right now to where God is leading us, that probably what's that's probably what's on my heart most hearing his voice interpreting the times being obedient and allowing him to direct our footsteps as we walk it out and um i i love that because um it kind of goes back to what's on marcus's heart and what's been on mine kind of led me down this road i mean even as marcus started it's like you know when you get a big project done you get something done you just take like Right, and it, it reminded me of, and I'm going to share a dream, a, a dream I had as I woke up the other, just the other morning, and what I shared with uh, Mar- uh, Marcus. But you remember when, like, when you're in school and you you, uh, you got out for the summer, and you were so excited because like no school, like come on, that was like my favorite season was summer. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't think it was because it was warm. I think it was just because there was no school, and I could play all day every day. But remember coming back in the fall, and especially math. For whatever reason, math, like, like really, really just, like, like, stands out to me. I mean, it's like you come back, and you could be, like, in fifth grade, and they ask you what 2 plus 2 is, and you have to, like, restart your entire 2 plus 2. Uh, uh, um, but the simplest of things, but think about that. You take a three-month break. Just think about that in the spirit. Like, we take a break, or we get relaxed or we, um, we become complacent. I think this deceptive word is probably the, uh, the really, really spot on because I think we get really, really complacent um, sometimes. Um, and sometimes just a little. But I think it's the most deceptive tool uh, of the enemy. And we didn't talk to, to each other at all about this. And this is, this is how the spirit works. I love this. So he comes in the office this afternoon. I said, well, I had a dream the other morning as I was waking up. He goes, well, tell me about it. I go, it wasn't that long. I said, but I was, my head was stuck to the ground. Like, like I was like stuck to the ground. And uh, um, I thought a couple of things at this moment in this dream, by the way. I thought one, first and foremost, for those of you that know me, I have like 80% hearing loss at certain tones, but my left ear especially has tinnitus. So it just rings constantly. So I remember being in the dream with my head like stuck to the floor like this. And I remember like even grabbing, trying to like pull my head up off the floor. And it was stuck like this. And I remember thinking, God, are you going to heal me in my sleep? (laughs) 
are you going to heal my tinnitus? That's the first thing I thought in my, because we've been praying. I mean, I've been contending for healing, and I haven't gotten hearing aids for that reason, et cetera. Um, I probably need them, but I'm just going to continue to contend. So that's my first thought. My other thought is then, okay, I, I still, I, I, in, even in the dream, I feel this ringing in my ear, and just it's right now it's like overwhelmingly loud. It's always loud. But in this dream, I thought, well, I, I feel like the Velcro, like my head is stuck like to the floor, like with Velcro. And the only thing I could think of is, you know, when you put those suits on with uh, Velcro, like one is, I think the suit's soft and then the bristly stuff is on the wall, or is it vice versa? I can't remember. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. There's those suits, you put on, and then you run up and you're like, like, and you like do the spread eagle and you're like stuck to the, this like Velcro wall. This is what I felt like on the floor. I couldn't get up, and I, like, started in the dream. I started to grab my hair. I was trying to pull my head up, all these other things. I woke up, and as I – it wasn't too early. I wasn't ready to wake up yet. It was probably uh, 3.30, 4, 4 a.m. Um, but I remember asking the Lord, I'm like, Lord, what is that? And he said this. He said, keep your ear to the ground. And I had this profound revelation, so I just sat there for a while and just, like, I didn't go back to sleep. I mean, I knew the Lord was, was, was really speaking something um, very intently and very powerfully in that moment. But it took me to this place of keep your ear to the ground. In other words, stay tuned, right? Spiritual antennas up. Stay tuned to what I'm saying in the season. Stay tuned to what, you know, what I'm saying and being obedient, just the text that I, I kind of said, Marcus, and then be obedient to actually walk walk that, that thing out. I just want to hit maybe a couple of verses here um, about being complacent uh, or being comfortable or being, you know, that. And I know in my own life, man, I'm the first one to raise my hand. Like, I just come home from some days, and I do that some days every day. I'm like, I just sit down on the couch to, like, eat dinner or, like, sit down to eat dinner. I just go, huh, wow. Okay, let me recollect my thoughts. Let me write. Um, I know Mike's been sharing this. This is a verse that just kind of came to mind, and maybe I'll set the stage with this. He's been, uh, he's talked about this several times over the last couple of months. It's in 1 Corinthians 10. And it's verse 12 and 13. And it's, it goes like this. So if you think you are standing firm, in other words, if you think you got it all figured out, if you think that, hey, I got it all done, and I just like, you know, sandbag and, and sit back or take a break, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has ever overtake, has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. Dude, that is so powerful. No temptation has overtaking you except what is common to mankind. Remember what Marcus said? This isn't gross sin, guys. This is not like sexual immorality. It's not infidelity. It's like, listen to that. It's what's common to mankind. This is the day-to-day small stuff that we just fall into when we, right? And so um, it goes on to say, and God is faithful, though. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, which I'm not sure if that's completely true or not. (laughs) Because he'll always give you more than you can bear because you have to let go at some point and say, God, I trust you to take over at this point. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I think the way to endure it is actually to engage and stay engaged and never let go and not lose contact. I don't know how many of you, like, if you watch football or play football, I played football, like, you, like as a lineman, and I didn't play line, but I know as a lineman, you always want to have constant contact. You never want to, you never want to not have contact as an offensive lineman with the defensive lineman. You always want to have him in contact because as soon as it lets go, he has the ability to run around you and do other things that, that, that are not good. But it's like constant contact constant place of this took me to, to Luke 12 and if you're if you're taking notes or in your Bible uh, Luke 12:19 and just as when we got back in the prayer room I was I was reading about this and this is this is uh, actually Jesus speaking 
this is Jesus, warning uh, and encouragement all the way through chapter 12. But he's talking about the parable of the rich fool uh, starting in verse 13 uh, of chapter 12. And he's talking about um, um, people, he's, Jesus is just Jesus speaking and warning and us of not becoming complacent. Or he's talking about greed here too, which I don't think necessarily is probably us in this room, but uh, could be. Um, but at, so, at some point, he gets down to verse 19, and he says this. I'll start at 18. He then said, this is what I'll do. This is Jesus speaking uh, to, to, the, uh, to, the, to the people in this parable. Then, I, then he said, quote, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns, and I'll b- build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take it easy. Put your feet up. That's my own emphasis, by the way. <laughs> Eat, drink, and be merry. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. It's nice to relax. It's nice to, right? It's like Marcus said, though. Like, the, the last thing you want to do is to be get unplugged from the source. Like, if he's a source and we're plugged into him, it's like a light bulb, right? You take that thing out of the wall, what's going to happen? That light's going to go pretty dim, pretty darn quick. Let me repeat that. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Marcus touched on this really briefly, but I want to read it too again because it's so pointed. Because this is what happens when we do let that guard down, when we do let ourselves just relax and unplug from the source. It's, uh, it's that First Peter 5. I'm going to read it in a couple different versions. It's 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. All of you know that he's, you've heard this before, I'm sure. He's, he's, he's like a lion, right? He, he, he's acting like a lion because he's not a lion, so he has to imitate the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But he also is the devil, and he's prowling. You know, as I looked at that word uh, prowling, and in other, um, in other verses it says, um, it says he's waiting uh, in the Passion Translation. Let me read that, the message version. Keep a cool head. Stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. <laughs> catch you napping. 1 Peter 5.8 again in the Passion Translation. Be well-balanced and always alert. I like that, well-balanced. Because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey to devour. If he can devour some, that means he, uh, the, the, the ability is there that he cannot devour others. Like It says that he may devour. So if he can devour some, there's also others that he can't devour. Well, who can he devour? Greater is he that lives in me than he's in the world, and he that roams around looking for those that he might. I looked into this word. I remember it was years ago, and I was sharing this with Marcus. One of the, the, uh, the uh, translations was loitering. I remember when I was younger, when I was like in high school, you go and you loiter. Like you go to the parking lot, like where everyone hung out, right? You pull your car up. Everyone's hanging out, having a good time. And I remember those signs that say, no loitering. Right. And um, and I'm like, man, the enemy comes to loiter. And then I started thinking, well, if he's loitering, that means he's after something. Right. He wants to devour something. But what's the path of least resistance to devour something? He wants to go wherever God is not like he wants to hit the low hanging fruit. And it started me thinking, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Well, where would he go to hit the low hanging fruit? Well, the first place is wherever God is not. Well, where is God not? everywhere we kicked him, kicked him out of. And I thought, immediately I thought, schools, our kids. He's loitering at our schools because we've kicked God out. We're not allowed to talk about God. We can't even put God in the Pledge of Allegiance any longer and all these other things. And I'm like, he's hanging out, loitering at the schools, seeking those that he may devour. He can devour most there because God is not even allowed in the building. <laughs> and we're not allowed to even speak the word of God. 
or Jesus. So think about that. And, like, I even thought in my own house, like, we, we play worship kind of all day. We leave it in the background. We'll, we'll throw it on YouTube and just it's always playing in the background, some kind of worship throughout the day. And think about this. I know that, like, if I was the enemy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, like, go hang out in that environment. <laughs> oh, they're playing worship music all day. And, yeah, he was a worshiper one day in heaven before what took place took place. But at the same time, he's not going to hang out where people are praising him all day and worshiping him all day and have worship music playing all day. He's going to go to the path of, of least resistance. Anyway, imagine this, though. Uh, Marcus kind of hit on some of these verses, I know. But this is... Uh, once again, maybe just revelation. Maybe you guys can catch something out of any of this. I don't know. Ephesians 6, is, it talks about putting on the armor. I would propose this. What if we didn't actually put on the armor? I was sharing it with Marcus. It's kind of funny. When the girls are younger, before they go off to school, I would actually put the armor on. Like we would pray over them, for them, lay hands on them before they go to school, all sorts of stuff. But I would actually go through Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, and I would put on the armor. I make it, like, super fun. They were young, and I would, you know, put on the boots or the, the shoes and the belt, and I'd pull out my sword, and I'd do all this stuff. But all this to say, I would propose this out of all seriousness. What if we have such intimacy with God that the armor actually never is taken off and we never have to put it back on? It's just a part of who we are, and that's the way we walk. Um, I'm actually speaking at a graduation uh, on Friday night, and I've been in um, around David and um, uh, and David, you know, was anointed king. And when Jonathan, he and Jonathan had a covenant relationship, but I started reading in the backdrop to soldiers, and when soldiers went out to our, you know, out to war. Even as we're talking in this season, Mike's been talking about this and Marcus and myself as well, about this is when the soldiers go out to war is in the spring. And, um, but, but a soldier in those days never took off their armor. So when Jonathan took off his armor, he not only was saying, even though I'm the heir to my father Saul for a kingship, he took off his armor, in other words, to say, David, I know that you're the rightful king. I know that God's anointed you for this. It was very odd, though, in that time because he took off his armor, and, and, and soldiers never take off their armor. It fits them so well, that almost like they sleep in it, right? Does that make sense? So once again, what if we're so close to Father God, we have intimacy with him, we're spending so much time with him that we never have to take the armor off. We don't have to worry about waking up and putting on that armor uh, day in and day out. And God then took me to 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 5. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead? And in view of this appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. In other words, be prepared in that time where you're completely tuned into what God's saying and you're not unplugged or in that moment where you go, huh, and you become unplugged, you still have to be ready out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Think about where we're at right now, guys. There's been some twisting and perversion of the word and the truth like I've never seen in the last year and a half. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. <laughs> Whoa. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of the evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your 
ministry. Be ready in season and out of season. And I, I was sharing a, a, a testimony with Marcus, and I, I had like four or five different testimonies I was going to share. But um, we were talking about really, I, I'll, I'll maybe give it context, and then maybe I'll share one of the ones that's kind of on my mind. But um, are you guys okay with that? You guys all with me? It's 18 after. I'll be quick, though, Marcus. Um, but uh, we started talking, and I'm like, it's really tough sometimes to go into a business setting or, like, when you go on vacation, wherever you go on vacation, like, you go on a cruise, right? Everyone that on that cruise is eating, drinking, and being merry. <laughs> it's really tough to minister in an environment where everyone has everything they need, and they're on vacation. They've done this. <sighs> right? And in the business world, I was telling Marcus, it's the same way. Like, um, it's very tough to, to minister when everyone's got their guard up. You never want to show a point of weakness when you're running in and out of business day in and day out from call to call, meeting to meeting. And it's also very tough when everyone has everything they want to be able to minister into a situation where there's no need. And that's what we were talking. Sometimes when we go up to Denver, it's super easy just to, Everyone's in need. Like, we go down to the Civic Center Park, and everyone's in need, right? But he was, Marcus was, was talking, was, was transparent and vulnerable. He said, we went to Castle Rock, uh, down in the Castle Rock downtown. He said, it's kind of, it was kind of tough. <laughs> it's like, everyone's walking around like everything's okay, right? And maybe they're just happy to have their mask off and be walking around. I don't know. But... And I found that in, in, in places of influence that that's very, very true. I've been in and out of Silicon Valley, and that was the, I have several testimonies from a lot of my trips out there. But um, I'll share one, though. Um, I, was, I, was in, I had a day, and it was a day, one of those days. <laughs> and um, I had 50 million things going on, and sometimes it's tough to stay plugged in to the source uh, uh, on those days. And I was going over to a, a, a meeting where they were speaking, and it was actually, um, um, it was all the greatest minds from the largest financial institutes um, around the globe. And they were having um, a, a meeting called um, Money 2020. And it's, uh, they have it in Vegas every year, but there's also these side meetings, et cetera. But a lot of very influential people in technology are there in this financial vertical or, or industry, if you will, in the financial space. I remember I was working in the car. As I jumped to Uber, by the way. I got into an Uber. And uh, I'm on my way over to this meeting. And uh, I'm, I'm on, like, a call here. I'm on my computer here. And I'm doing reading something over here. And I'm in the back seat, like, with my desk, like, laid out in the back of an Uber, which has sometimes been my office. And I remember the Lord saying, what are you doing? And I stopped, and it was just, like, clear as day. In fact, I looked around to see who else in the car, and I thought the driver was actually talking to me. That's how clear it was. And I just, I stopped. It was like I was paralyzed. I just stopped. And I was like, I looked around, and I looked at, I knew he wasn't speaking. Then I looked at him, because he was just driving. And the Lord said, have a conversation with him. <laughs> and I knew, I knew, and then, then I knew God was, it was a setup for the comeback at this point. And I was like, okay. So I just started talking to him. I took my AirPods out, right, and I started talking to him. It, it didn't even take two minutes. And this was a quick drive. You have to understand, it was less than a 20-minute drive. The traffic was kind of towards the end of the day, and traffic was crazy. But um, So we were in standstill. But, but I just started talking to him. Within two or three minutes, this is, this is how easy it is just having a conversation. Eventually, it started coming out almost immediately. I said, tell me about growing up. Like, like where did you grow up? Like, that's what I asked. Yeah, where, where were you born? And he started to unpack everything he had, he had gone through as a child. And he goes, I grew up in the church. And I started, to, I talked about church in the midst of that. Like, Where's your faith? And he goes, I grew up in the church. But my mom and my dad, and then there's a divorce, and he started going into all these other things, and he had this hardened heart where he just walked away from the church completely, almost to the point of just being an atheist, not even believing what had once been seated inside of his heart. And I don't even know if he had accepted the Lord, but we're at a light, and I said, have you ever received the Lord? Like, have you ever received Christ into your heart? 
And, um, and he knew what that meant. And he goes, I don't think I ever did. I just thought by association that I was saved. And I, I go, well, just call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. And I laid a hand on his shoulder and we're at a light at this point. We got off the freeway. We're at a light at this point. And I laid my left hand on his right shoulder. And, and I started to pray. And the light turns green at this point. And I'm like, I'm looking at the light and I'm praying. I'm multitasking. I could see that like under the, right? I could see the light there. We were like first or second in line or whatever. And he's not moving and everyone else has moved off the line at this point. And the car is still sitting at the, right at the light. And we have not moved. And I see all these cars like flying by us now. And I'm like, I'm kind of getting nervous at this point when I see everyone. And I go, hey, are you all right? So I stopped the prayer and I go, you all right? And, and he didn't say a word. And then I said, are you all right? And he said, yes, I'm all right. And I said, I said, hey, I said, um, and I, I don't want to tell you, I don't want to be a backseat driver. That's what I said. I go, I don't want to be a backseat driver. But I think everyone's moved uh, off this, and the, and the light's green. Here's the, how long it took. The light had turned red by now. So I went back in, and I said, I said, I, wanna, I want you to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit as well. Do you know what that is? And he goes, no. And I gave him the quick scripture. I said, in the book of Acts, and it was like two seconds. Before the light turned green again, I got it out. And I laid a, a hand on his shoulder again. And he started praying in tongues. He gets filled, and he starts shaking in, in the, and the light turns green again. And we're still sitting at the deal, and people are going around us. He gets baptized in the Spirit on the second green light. And uh, this lasts a while, so now we get another red light. And then we came to, but, and then we went. My point is this, though. <laughs> Yeah, right. I was, yeah, anyway. I'm late to my meeting. By the way, I was in this big rush, right? I had 50 million things going on. But here's my point, is that, and it's not to tell you how great I am or how, I mean, if anything, I'm going to tell you how great Jesus is and how amazing he is. But it's this, is that if we keep our ear to the ground, if we keep our ear to the ground and to, to, to the voice of God and listen and sometimes God will slap you on the back of the head like he did with me in the back of the car. Because it, it literally took that because I had so many things going on. And it was like that moment, like where he just slapped me in the back of the head, like, wake up, my son. Have a conversation with the man that's driving. But, but if we keep our ear to the ground and we, hear, and we can hear his voice and stay plugged into the source, it doesn't matter where we're at, what we're doing. The main thing is, is that we're still tuned in to right spiritual antennas and not putting down that guard, not thinking, oh, let me just come unplugged for a while. I'd hate for you to go an entire summer and forget about all the math that you had to do when September came. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, come back up. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. God, I thank you that you are the source. God, I thank you that you wouldn't let us get complacent in this season. It is summertime. School is out, and it's funny as sometimes as some, telling some of these stories are and what, what they mean and things like that. God, let us not quench the spirit. Let us not become disengaged. In fact, I would just propose the opposite, God, that we would actually hunger for more of you, that we would actually engage you at a level, Lord, that we haven't engaged you at before, seeking your face, knowing that, God, you are good and faithful to, to, to align the appointments, to come into divine appointments, God, and align us where we need to be aligned, God, to bring ministry opportunities, even as Marcus said that earlier, God, why waste a good car buying experience? <laughs> Nobody likes to buy a car. But in this case, man, we got to bless this young man. Are you kidding me? Lord, we just thank you for moments like that. It doesn't matter what we're doing. God, it doesn't look like these, the four walls. This is just the Ephesians 4 place, these four walls. This is where we're getting equipped, where we're learning, where we're, where we're, where we're to go out and do exactly what God has called us to do. 
for the work of the ministry, into the highways and the byways, into the car buying experience, into the grocery store, into Silicon Valley, God, into business, into a conference where I was last week and the Holy Spirit broke out. Lord, all these places, God, you roam and you're just waiting, waiting to show out, waiting to arrive and just show up on the scene if we'll just be faithful enough to engage you and stay plugged in to the source. God, we love you. We praise you. We pray these things in the mighty loving name and the non-complacent name of Jesus. <laughs> Amen. And I know Marcus loves it when I put my ad in because <laughs> God, Jesus is non-complacent. You know that, right? Have you noticed that of Tracy? He says in the name and then he gives like in the non-COVID name. In the non-complacent name, we're in the something. I love that. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, we'll end there. Let's uh, let's gather into groups and just pray with one another and fellowship for a bit. Um.